1796, George Washington issued his farewell address. It was his final public statement, and Washington had fought, he suffered, he'd endured for the establishment of the new country that he'd served as president for two terms. And his last public words were important. Today in John's Gospel, we come to the last recorded public words of Jesus. Now there's a long private discourse that Jesus gives to his disciples, uh, which John is certainly present at, and uh, to our benefit, he records them for us. But today is Jesus' last public address, and his words are important. Here they are. And Jesus cried out, When a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. When he looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. I've come into the world as light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. As for the person who hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save it. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. That very word which I spoke will condemn him at the last day. For I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. Lord, as we uh, contemplate, mull over these words that you've spoken, give us light, we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. I've come into the world as light so that Anyone who believes in me should not stay in darkness. That last public address of Jesus, those last words, had such a profound impact upon John that it became the theme of his gospel. It's what he opens his gospel with. In the beginning, he says, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things came into being by him. Apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being in him was life and that life was the light of mankind and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it and John will carry that theme throughout his whole gospel we've seen him mention it uh, time and time again in his gospel if you believe in Jesus you can't stay in the darkness you must come into the light. I want you to note here that his final public address, Jesus' final public address, is to those who believe in him. It's not to the Pharisees or the Sadducees or the Herodians or the Romans. It's to those who believe in me. He says, whoever believes in me, whoever sees me, Because to believe in him, he says, is to believe in God. 
to hear him or to see him is to see God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So to see Jesus is to see God. To hear Jesus is to hear God. To believe in Jesus is to believe in God. His disciples can forget that sometimes. We'll get to chapter 14, and Philip will say to him, Lord, just show us the Father. That will be enough for us. And Jesus will say, Philip, have I been with you so long, and yet you do not know me? He who has seen me has seen the Father. He, in fact, will say to all of them, you believe in God, believe also in me. And so if you're a believer in Jesus, these words apply to you. I want to point out to you that throughout the gospel, or throughout the Bible, the words, I believe in Jesus, are taken at face value. The, the Bible takes at face value the words, the assent, the inclinations of those who claim to be followers of Jesus. Sometimes there'll be people who will say, well, you know, this guy's not a real follower of Jesus, or that guy's not a real follower of Jesus. Maybe someone said that about you. Well, he's not a real follower of Jesus because of this or because of that. But the Bible takes those words at face value. I believe in Jesus. Takes your words at face value and it warns you. We saw back in chapter 6 at the end of it, we're told that many of Jesus' disciples turned back and would no longer follow him. It doesn't say, well, they weren't really disciples. It says that those who were his disciples, who claimed to be his disciples, who were following him, who were believing him, turned back and were no longer following him. Have you been made right with God by Jesus? You know, Jude picked up his pen. He was going to write. He said, I wanted to write about the common salvation we share. He said, but there's a danger and I need to warn you. And he says, I want to remind you that although you know all this, that the Lord, after saving a people out of Egypt, subsequently destroyed in the desert those who did not believe. And James asks that question. He says, you believe in God? You do well, the demons believe that and tremble. Say, well, you know, but maybe they don't know that he's the son of God. Well, not when I read the gospel accounts. They know well that he's the Son of God. So what's the difference? You know, James goes on to tell us that it's in how we live that our faith is proven out by our deeds. 
And let me tell you the good news of the gospel, because sometimes we forget that the good news of the gospel is that not one of us will be saved by our works. It's by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of ourselves. It's the gift of God, not as a result of works, lest anyone should boast. But we forget there's another side to that. Not one of you will be saved by your works. Every single one of you will be judged by them. The scriptures say, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or evil. The Apostle John writes in Revelation 20, And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. Our faith is seen not only in what we say, but in what we do. I, I can't recall the preacher's name. It was a lot of years ago. I can see his face, but I can't recall his name. But the statement that he made made a profound impact on me. And what he said was this. You believe what you do. Everything else is religious blather. You believe what you do. So why does Jesus address this to those who believe in him? To the one who believes in me, he believes not in me only, but in the one who sent him. Well, it's because of what we read just two verses before that in verse 42. Yet at the same time, many even among the leaders, and he's talking about the synagogue leaders, the leaders of Judaism in uh, Judea there in Jerusalem. Yet at the same time, many even of the leaders believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue, for they loved praise from men more than they loved praise from God. If you believe in Jesus, you can't stay in the darkness. You have to come into the light. It's, it's, not a, it's not a light matter, but it's a light matter. And Jesus has said that, you know, already in no uncertain terms. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The gospel writers call him the light. John refers to him as the light. Matthew said the prophet spoke of him when he said the people living in darkness have seen a great light and on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And he's come, he says, in order that those who believe in him should not stay in darkness. What does that mean? It means that there are some people who are believing in him who did stay in darkness. And those are the people that this passage is most immediately addressed to. Those who believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue 
for they love the praise of men more than they love the praise of God. What does it mean for those who say, I believe in Jesus to stay in the darkness? Well, most immediately, they're in the darkness because they're hiding that they believe in Jesus. But John, speaking through the Holy Spirit, tells us it means more than that. In his first letter, as he reflects on and expands on this idea of light, of Christ being the light coming to the world, he says, this is the message we've heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him or we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And so what's John talking about? What does he mean when he says walk in the darkness? Well, he goes on in chapter 2. He says, the one who says I've come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. The truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner. That he's walked. He writes further, the one who says he's in the light and hates his brother is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light and there's no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. The light has come into the world that those who believe in him should not remain in darkness. And if you believe in him, if I believe in him, we should not remain in darkness. And he's come that we might come into the light. What does that mean? Well, it means that you should be known certainly as a disciple of Jesus by the words that you speak. You know, it's been, it's been said before. Now, please, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying to be obnoxious to people. Um, th- that certainly isn't what the Bible teaches. I'm not saying that you should, uh, at your place of work, give up what you're being paid to do and instead become uh, an evangelist there. But but, but, but I would ask you, does anybody know that you're a Christian? If it became a crime tomorrow to be a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Does anybody know that you're a follower of Jesus? But more importantly than what we say is that you live in the light of that reality And what you claim is borne out in the way that you live. If you believe in Jesus, you can't stay in the darkness. You have to come into the light. And and how will we know if we're in the light? Well, it goes back to what I said before. None of us will be saved by our works. Every single one of us will be judged by them. We can look at our lives and tell if we're walking in the light or not. 
It's interesting, something that Jesus says here about, about how these believers will be judged. He says in verse 47, As for the person who hears my words, does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save it. Now, you know, you read those words and you might say, well, that's a bit puzzling. I thought that Jesus was going to judge the world. Isn't that what we confess in the creed? He'll come to judge the living and the dead. Uh, Paul writes that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to the church at Corinth. Peter said in a sermon in Acts chapter 10 that Jesus is the one who's been appointed to judge the living and the dead. So what does Jesus say here? I don't judge the person who hears my words but doesn't keep them. Well, he says it's because I didn't come to judge but to save. It's what he said back all the way back in chapter 3 in verse 17, that God didn't send his son into the world to judge the world, to condemn the world, but that the world should be saved through him. So will Jesus judge us or not? But look at verse 48. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. That very word which I spoke will condemn him on the last day. When my, when my son was a police officer, he told me a story about a guy who was passed out in his car. And they went up and, you know, knocked on the window, roused the guy. The guy roused out of his sleep, rolled the window down. One of the officers said, sir, do you have any drugs in the car? And he said, no. And then he looked down at his lap at the bag of drugs on his lap. What's to be said? There's nothing to be said. These people have heard the word of Jesus. You've heard the word of Jesus. I, I look around small enough today to see who's gathered. No, most of you believers in Jesus. You know his word to be true. If we don't live in the light, no defense can be given. No defense is possible. I think it was in reflecting on something like that that the Apostle Peter wrote, if they've escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and are again entangled in it and are overcome, they're worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. You believe in Jesus? If you believe in Jesus, you can't stay in the darkness. You have to come into the light. I prayed before it's election season now. It used to be election day on Tuesday. Now it's election season. What, what party are you voting for? Or judging from the 
success of negative campaigning, maybe the better question is, which party are you voting against? In George Washington's farewell address, it's very interesting, you go back and read it, he warned against forming parties. And you read the reasons that he gave for the warning against it, and it reads like today's headlines. It, it was like he was a prophet who could see the future. We so easily see the sins of the other party. We're hard-pressed to detail the sins of our own. The Pharisees could see the sins of the Sadducees, but when you ask the Pharisees about the sins of the Pharisees, well, what sin? And on a more intimate level, we so easily see the splinter in the eyes of others and are insensitive to the logs in our own. And if you really reflect on what Jesus says here, if you think about the words of his farewell address, they're disconcerting, frightening even, if you remain in the darkness. We're afraid to come into the light. Why are we afraid to come into the light? Well, we're afraid to have our sins exposed. We're afraid to confess our sins. To have the spotlight put on our sins instead of the sins of others. You know, I tell you, this is a, this is a trick that, that every preacher figured out early on in his preaching career. That if you preach to people about other people's sins, you'll be very popular. And some people give in to it. Jesus had the audacity to preach about the sins of the people who followed him. You know why that is? Because no matter how great the sins of others are, those sins cannot damn you. But your own sins can damn you. And so we don't want them exposed. But Jesus came as the light. And let me tell you that having your sins exposed and coming into the light is the only safe place for you to be. Hiding in the darkness is not safe. Jesus calls you into the light. He says if we, the scriptures say, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful, he's just, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
It's, it's there in the light, the very place that every fiber of our being says, don't go, don't let your sin be exposed. It's the only place that you'll find safety. For God sent his son into the world not to condemn you, but so that you would be saved through him. Father, give us grace that though every, every fiber of our being says stay out of the light, focus the light on the sins of others, look at their wrongs and their injustices, And yet, Lord, your word brings us back all the time to our own sin. Because though we may suffer from the sins of others against us, their sin cannot damn us, but our sin can. And so, Father, help us, we pray, to come into the light to acknowledge our sins. And to walk in the light. And Lord, when it's, when it's all past, and we've gone through all of the hardship and the suffering that there is to endure here, we will, if we have walked in the light, we'll give you thanks, we'll give you praise, we'll give you glory through Jesus. Amen.